All right, guys, you are locked on Falcons. I'm your host, Aaron Freeman. And today is our last mock draft Monday of 2021. Well, I will be unveiling my selections for who I think will go be the first 32 picks in this upcoming draft, as well as answering your Monday mailbag questions. You are locked on Falcons, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So guys, you know me, I'm Aaron Freeman, been covering the Falcons for many years, almost two decades, formerly at FalcFans.com, RIP, still going strong, however, on Twitter at FalcFans, and of course, the host of this illustrious Locked On Falcons podcast, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast right here on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And today's episode of Locked On Falcons is brought to you by Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com, use the promo code LOCKED15, and you'll get 15% off your next order. So guys, today's episode is our final mock draft Monday of the 2021 off season and probably calendar year. It is also a mailbag Monday, although I'm sure we will have plenty of mailbag Mondays between now and the end of this uh, calendar year. But today's episode on mock draft Monday, usually I break down a recent mock draft, but since this is the final one, this is me basically, you know, putting my thing down saying who I think are the going to be my probably final mock draft. I did this a year ago was pretty accurate at the top of the draft. We'll get into that later, but this is probably my final mock draft. And, you know, maybe I'll give some updates later this week, some changes or whatever, but sort of my projection for the top 32 picks in the draft. I'll go through the entire first round, including talking about who I think the Falcons going to pick, but we won't spend a ton of time on that on today's episode. I want to sort of focus and, and delay that and really go in depth into that on Thursday's episode as sort of the final preview of the draft. But we'll get into my picks for the top 32 picks and then we'll get into the mailbag portion of today's episode we'll talk about who's representing the top quarterbacks in the draft we'll talk about an alternate scenario uh for how the top three goes and what that would lead to the falcons doing at four sort of an off the wall scenario in that case and then i'll probably wind up having a bit of a rant about you know answering a question about which pick is going to uh lead to more impact in 2021 versus 2022 versus 2023 and beyond and whatnot. And we'll get into that topic. I have some thoughts that I need to finally get off my chest after holding it in to a certain degree for the last couple of months. So we'll get into that as we wrap up today's episode, but without further ado, let's get into my mock draft, my probably final mock draft. Uh, again, um, last year I did this and had like four out of the top six picks, right? I, I think I flipped Tua and Herbert had one going to the Chargers. I had Tua going to the Chargers and, and Herbert going to Miami, but I got the other top f- four picks, right? You know, the Giants getting Andrew Thomas and all that sort of stuff. I had the Jets getting Mekhi Becton. I had the Bucks trading up. They did trade up. I had them trading up for Jedrick Wills, not Tristan Wirfs, and I had Tristan Wirfs going to Cleveland instead of going um, to Tampa Bay like that happened. And this was around the time last year that I also 
suspected that the Falcons were going to take AJ Terrell. I didn't have it in my final mock. I wanted to tease that because I, I knew I was going to be talking about that, uh, potentially unveiling that on Wednesday. And part of it, I wanted to see sort of all the rumors about the trade talk and see if that moved in a certain direction. I wasn't necessarily buying the rumor that the Falcons were going to trade up in the draft, but I, I kind of wanted to see how that developed before, uh, you know, fully committing to the AJ Terrell bandwagon at that point in time. But I started dropping more hints on that Monday episode that, you know, AJ Terrell was, you know, very, very, very subtle hit. So let's just say that, uh, that AJ Terrell might have been the Falcons pick talking about some of the local players that the Falcons might target talking specifically about Derek Brown, but sort of in- mentioning AJ Terrell as an option for them on that episode. But, uh, without further ado, let's jump into that. Let's, no more explanation. Number one, I have Jacksonville taking Trevor Lawrence. Number two, I have the Jets taking Zach Wilson. Number three, I have the 49ers taking Mac Jones. And there's been a lot of rumors over the last 10 days that Jones might not be the pick and they may go for Fields or Lance. I'm going to stick with Jones for now, although I don't know if this is going to stay this case in my final mock, just because it makes a potential trade up later in the top 10 work a little bit better. Um, but if Jones is not the pick at pick three, I do think he'll fall out of the top 10. And I kind of think that the team he's most likely to get picked by is the Bears, and they'll probably try to jump up to 15 uh, with the Patriots because they're not going to go to 14 with the Vikings. Uh, jump up to 15 with the Patriots to go get Mac Jones. So we'll see how that plays out. Number four, I do have the Falcons taking quarterback Justin Fields out of Ohio State. Uh, if San Francisco doesn't take him, I think he's the Falcons pick. Again, I'll explain further and go more in-depth into that potentially on Thursday. Number five, uh, Cincinnati taking Jamar Chase. Everybody I know that covers the Bengals seems to think that's the direction that they're going to go. I would personally take Penny Sewell, but the Bengals seem content on Jamar Chase. Um, Number six, Miami taking Kyle Pitts, tied in out of Florida. Seven, Detroit taking Penny Sewell, the offensive tackle out of Oregon. You know, he'll be biting plenty of kneecaps up there in Detroit. Eight, I have the New England Patriots coming up for Trey Lance, QB5, the quarterback out of North Dakota State. I think the seven, eight, nine range is the ideal range for a team that is going to trade up for a quarterback. I don't see a team trading up with the Falcons at four if Lance and Fields are on the board. So in this scenario, if the 49ers do take Jones, that means Lance or Fields is going to be there. I think the seven, eight, nine range, Detroit, Carolina, and Denver are all going to be potentially looking to trade back with one of these teams. I have Carolina doing that. So I have the Patriots coming up in the seven, eight, nine range to take Trey Lance. I don't see a team trading up for Mac Jones. That's my personal opinion, but we'll see. Number nine, I have the Denver Broncos. Uh, settling for offensive tackle Rashawn Slater out of Northwestern. Previously, in previous incarnations this week, I was working saying maybe they go Jeremiah Owusu Koromoa uh, if a quarterback does not fall to them. And, you know, I've heard as of late, though, that Slater is going to be a guy uh, that could come in, potentially compete for a starting job at right tackle or center for them. If Slater goes off the board, because if Carolina stays put at eight, I could see them taking Rashawn Slater there then I would expect Denver to be a team looking to trade back, swapping with a team like Arizona or some other team that's looking to leapfrog the Cowboys to go get one of these quarterbacks, cornerbacks, I'm sorry, either Patrick Sertain or J.C. Horn. So that means at 10, I do have the Cowboys getting the player that a lot of people think they're going to get, which is Patrick Sertain out of Alabama. And we will wrap up the rest of this first round as we continue today's Locked On Falcons podcast, finishing the back half of this mock draft, as well as answering your listener questions, which may include me being a little bit of an old man going on a rant about some things. But speaking of that, 
Falcon fans, you might want to listen up because Nugenics is the number one selling free testosterone booster at GNC and is offering a complimentary bottle to all football fans across America. To get your complimentary bottle of Nugenics Total T, text DRAFT to 231231. This unique man-boosting formula is powered by Testafin, which helps boost free testosterone and total testosterone levels. It increases energy and lean muscle mass. If you're over 40 or you're like me approaching 40, don't let age get in the way. Get your edge back with Nugenics plus text now and they'll include a bottle of Nugenics Thermo, the most powerful fat incinerator ever with key ingredients to help you get back into shape absolutely free. All you got to do is text DRAFT to 231231. That's D-R-A-F-T to 231231. Message and data rates may apply. So whether we're talking about the NBA, NHL, or Major League Baseball, Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. And of course, Bet Online has you covered for those 2021 NFL draft props. And if you have a hunt on where players like Justin Fields, Penny Sewell, Kyle Pitts are going to be drafted, you should head over to Bet Online. But it's not just sports. Bet Online even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. Get real time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine because Bet Online has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets. And it's free to sign up. Just head over to the website, use your mobile device to sign up today at betonline.ag. Use that promo code locked on and you'll receive a 50% welcome bonus. That means if you deposit $200, they'll give you $100 of free money to play with. All you got to do is use that promo code locked on to take advantage of that 50% welcome bonus at betonline.ag. Betonline, your online sportsbook experts. So if you're looking for something to watch Thursday night for your second screen action, then check out the live show on YouTube this year. This year, the Locked On Podcast Network is partnering with the Draft Network to cover all three days of the draft beginning Thursday night, April 29th. And you'll get the guys from the Draft Network giving you analysis on every pick in addition to getting that insight from the local Locked On experts like myself to watch, subscribe to the Locked On NFL YouTube page. So picking up where we left off in our mock draft, number 11, the Giants taking Jalen Waddle. Clearly by their additions of Kenny Galladay and John Ross, they're clearly looking to add more explosiveness to this offense. And, you know, contrary to popular opinion, Daniel Jones was actually pretty good throwing the deep ball last year. Number 12, I have Devontae Smith going to the Philadelphia Eagles, wrapping up a three uh, consecutive Alabama players going off the board with Sertan, Waddle, and Smith. 13, I have the Chargers taking J.C. Horn out of South Carolina, the cornerback. I've heard that they like J.C. Horn as their sort of Jalen Ramsey and Brandon Staley's defense there. If not him, then I think they'll probably go Darisol if Horn is there. I don't know if Horn's going to be there because any of the teams picking ahead of them could wind up going with Horn there. 14, I have Minnesota taking Queedy Pay, the edge rusher from Michigan. I've heard the Everson Griffin comps, and I think that'll be too much to pass up for the Vikings. 15, where I had the Panthers swapping picks with the New England Patriots. I have Carolina taking Christian Zarasaw, the Virginia Tech offensive tackle. Again, if they stay put at eight, I think they're going to be hoping for Sewell to fall there, but if not, they'll take Slater at that spot uh, in this mock version that I had where the Lions took Sewell at seven. 16, I have the Arizona Cardinals taking guard Elijah Vera Tucker out of USC. You know, basically DJ Humphreys, their left tackle, is the only starter they have on their offensive line under the age of 30 this year. Las Vegas, I have another offensive lineman, three straight offensive lineman going here with Tevin Jenkins, the Oklahoma State tackle. I've seen a lot of people pinching Jenkins falling into the 20s. 
I think he, to me, he's a perfect Raiders pick. He's the personification of what they're looking for, uh, given his toughness and, and physicality at that right tackle position to replace Trent Brown. 18, I have Miami taking Zavin Collins, the linebacker out of Tulsa. 19, I have Washington taking another linebacker and Jeremiah owusu Koromoa out of Notre Dame, uh, giving Ron Revere those Shaq Thompson vibes. Uh, 20, I have Cleveland trading up with Chicago for the pick 20 to come and get Miami edge rusher Jalen Phillips, afraid that the Colts are going to take an edge rusher at the next pick. But I have the Colts taking an offensive tackle with Alex Leatherwood out of Alabama. 22, I have Tennessee taking Ole Miss wide receiver Elijah Moore. 23, I have the Jets taking cornerback Greg Newsom out of Northwestern with their second first-round pick. 24, I have Najee Harris penciled in here. Uh, you know, with without without Tevin Jenkins on the board, I, I think Pittsburgh will go Najee Harris here. Uh, Twenty five. I have Jacksonville with their second round pick taking TCU safety Trevon Morig. To be honest with you, I have no clue what Jacksonville's going to do with this number pick. Uh, you know, Morig, Christian Barmore, Travis Etienne to me are all in play. I, I would guess it's going to be one of those three players, but I have no idea what Urban Meyer and Trim Balky are going to do with this pick. Number twenty six with the pick that the Bears got from the Browns, I have them trading back six spots and getting uh, North. Um, I'm sorry, Minnesota wide receiver Rashad Bateman. Twenty seven with the first of the two Ravens picks, I have them taking edge rusher out of Georgia, Aziz Ojolari. I know you UGA fans are like, how can you have Ojolari fall on that far? And I just think if Miami doesn't take him at eighteen. I think because Ojolari is kind of stuck being doesn't have the size to be a four, three defensive end. He's going to be a three, four outside linebacker. And outside of Miami, there isn't a team picking in the top, you know, 25 picks that runs a three, four that needs an edge rusher in my opinion, all the teams that need, you know, maybe Tennessee, I guess, but all the teams that, you know, run that need edge rush help basically run four, three defenses uh, to take Ojolari. So he falls to Baltimore. That's a great place for him. Uh, 28. I have the saints taking Georgia corner, Eric Stotes. So back to back Georgia players, 29. I have the Packers taking Kentucky linebacker, Jamin Davis 30. I have Travis Etienne going to the Buffalo bills 31 with Baltimore's pick that they just got from the chiefs. I have them taking Alabama defensive lineman, Christian Barmore. And with the last pick in round one, I have the Tampa Bay Buccaneers taking edge rusher, Jason Oway out of Penn state to basically be their new JPP after the season. So this means that I have some prominent names that I'm sure a lot of people are expecting to be high round picks falling out of the first round. That includes Caleb Farley, Micah Parsons and Gregory Rousseau. Farley is falling because of the medical issues. I think I've heard various reports. I can't remember where I heard it from, but some people are sort of opining that because teams don't have uh, as much medical information this year because of no combine as they normally would have and, and be able to really dig deep on those medicals that players like Caleb Farley that have his medical history, torn ACL, multiple back surgeries. You know, I just don't see a chance where Caleb Farley is going to get picked in round one. I think he's definitely going to be there in round two. Micah Parsons, he's falling because of maturity issues. And I think simply not necessarily it's the maturity as much. I think that's maybe why a team like Miami uh, would take a guy like Zayvon Collins over him because Zayvon Collins has the A++ character stuff and Micah Parsons has some question marks there. But I think mostly the reason why Micah Parsons falls is he's kind of a tweener at this point. He doesn't really have the ideal length to be an edge rusher and he doesn't really have the coverage prowess or background and experience to be a highly prized inside linebacker. He's basically only a fit for 
or a three four team that's going to look for him as an in, a blitzing inside linebacker. And you have teams that utilize their linebackers in that way: New England, Miami, Denver, probably Detroit if they poured over that Saint system where he can be a Demorio Davis like player and Tampa Bay. But the way that this mock has gone, I don't see any of those teams, particularly teams like Detroit and New England, taking him that high. And because I think Miami would rather have a guy like Xavier Collins, I don't see them taking him and Tampa Bay doesn't need him. So I just have a hard time sort of fitting where Micah Parsons is going to get picked. I don't think Denver is going to take him in the top 10 either. So I could be wrong on all that, but I just don't see it. And Gregory Russo, you know, I, I just think. You know, he's now being compared to Calais Campbell, and I think the perception on him is going to be that teams are going to want to bulk him up and turn him into more of a five-tech, three-four um, D-end or a, a, a two-down edge rusher that kicks inside to D-tackle in, in a sort of Michael Bennett mold, and I don't see which team is going to pull the trigger on that guy in round one. And so what's going to be interesting to me if these three players do wind up falling into round two, as I'm predicting here, I can't wait for Friday morning and Friday afternoon where Falcons Twitter is going to go crazy thinking, given that the Falcons have the third pick in round two, that they're going to definitely land one of these superstars on defense in round two. And they'll be jumping for joy. And then the Falcons will wind up zigging when they expect them to zag and take somebody else. Um, So we'll see about that. I, I always eagerly anticipate the excitement that people get for day two of the draft and be like, Oh, well we got this guy in round one. Now we can get, these are my top five wish list on day two. And the Falcons never pick those players. I used to do this once upon a time too, guys. And then like, I thought they were going to get like Jake Fisher and Eric Kendricks in that 2015 draft. And they wound up taking Jalen Collins. And I was just like, okay, I'm out of this business forever. 2016. I was like, Oh, my, uh, miles Jack fell to round two. They got to go get miles Jack. And they wound up settling for Deion Jones. And I was like, okay, I'm done trying to sit here and predict what they're going to do in round two. Uh, so I just let it all play out as it plays out. So I don't see the Falcons taking any of those guys. And we'll wrap up today's episode by answering some of your mailbag questions, including an alternate scenario on who the Falcons might draft if the first three picks goes in a completely different direction than what is expected. We'll talk about some of the top quarterbacks and who represents them and what that means for the Falcons decision-making. And you'll get my rant on answering a question about which pick is going to have the most impact in year one, two and year three and beyond uh, moving forward. But before we get there, So you don't want to miss those answers and you also don't want to miss this delicious opportunity to check out the best flavor of the built bar. That's the coconut brownie chunk. It's backed by science and science. I mean, it was voted the number one flavor in the built bar March madness bracket last month. And I've had it. I can confirm it is the best flavor of built bar. The night it went on sale, I went out and ordered three boxes using the promo code locked 15 to get 15% off my order. They're actually coming tomorrow. So if you don't know about built bars, they are the best tasting protein bar on the market. They're all covered 100% real chocolate. So they taste just like a candy ball. In addition to the coconut brownie chunk flavor, you can get great flavors like coconut almond, peanut butter, caramel brownie, cookies and cream, and so much more. And built bars aren't just tasty. They're healthy too. They're low in sugar, low in calories, high in protein, high in fiber. So take advantage of this offer. Head over to builtbar.com. Use the promo code locked 15. You'll get 15% off your next order. That's promo code locked 15 for 15% off your next order at builtbar.com. So if you guys missed it, today is the final day that the Ultimate Mock Draft 2021 presented by Locked On and Odyssey is running. If you've missed it, you've missed great analysis on every first round pick, as well as today you'll hear the top picks for those teams that don't have first round picks. 
You've heard from every set of Locked On hosts, including myself, as well as getting insight from the Locked On NFL Draft hosts, the Draft Dudes, Matt Williamson, Michael Irvin, Jason Lockenfora, Ross Tucker, Brian Baldinger, and so many more experts to catch up. Search for the Ultimate Mock Draft 2021 on the new Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Odyssey is your audio home for all the sports, podcasts, music, and news that matters to you. That's Odyssey, A-U-D-A-C-Y. So our first question comes from one flew over to Falcons nest at Mave two one two four. He asks, which agents are representing the top four or five quarterbacks? Who is representing Pitts? Now, I'll be honest with you, Andy. I don't know. I couldn't find out who was representing Pitts. I did Google the rest of the stuff, and I do always enjoy it. This is my sarcasm when you guys ask me questions that you could Google yourself. But you know, digging a little deeper on the quarterbacks, um, basically the, the two again, the, the two that matter are the you know, Lancet Fields. You know, Fields' agent is basically the same as Deshaun Watson's agent. Trey Lance is represented by CAA, which means his agent is either Jimmy Sexton or Tom Condon. Condon represents Matt Ryan. Jimmy Sexton is Julio's agent. CAA is also the agency that's infamous to Falcon fans because they also repped Vic Beasley. And our good friend Jeff Schultz reported back in 2019 that one of the reasons why the Falcons potentially paid Vic Beasley that season was to make that agency happy because they had upcoming negotiations with Julio Jones and Grady Jarrett. Grady Jarrett's then agent, Todd France, still represents Grady Jarrett, but left CAA to join the same company that now represents Justin Fields, right? So before you guys start reading into this, I know the conspiracy nuts are going crazy. Don't be, don't believe that this current regime is beholden to one particular agent uh, or agency to make their players happy. So they're not going to draft Justin Fields just because they want to get an extension done later this summer with Grady Jarrett. They're not going to draft Trey Lance because it's going to grease the wheels for them to future trade Matt Ryan or Julio Jones or anything like that. Um, but if you are looking for a conspiracy theory, a couple of free agents that they did sign are repped by sports stars. Uh, that includes Lee Smith and Fabian Monroe uh, or Fabian Murrow. And that agency also reps. Quinn Miners, who I think the Falcons could target around too. I'm hoping the Falcons could target around too. That's the guy I'm hoping for, but we'll see. Um, but before you take that too far and say, oh, that means Quinn Myers is, is booked, you know, they also rep Lee Ray Wilson. They didn't resign Lee Ray Wilson. So again, none of that matters. Um, Greg Bowen at Greg Leg on Twitter asks, I haven't seen this discussed or mentioned anywhere yet. So I wanted your thoughts. What if everything we've heard and think and we know is wrong? What if one, two, and three is Lawrence Fields and Pitts? What should we do and what would you do? Well, I think in that off-the-wall scenario, the Falcons would go quarterback at four and either take Trey Lance or Zach over Zach Wilson. Um, so I think that's what they should do, in my opinion. I think Wilson, in my eyes, is the fourth-best quarterback in this draft class, and it's been fascinating to me how he's kind of gotten a pass uh, and not getting the same level of scrutiny uh, in this draft class, the same level of scrutiny that guys like Fields and, and Jones and Lance have gotten so far this offseason. And it's always been scrutinized, at least in my eyes, always from the perspective that is Zach Wilson better than Sam Darnold, not that he's been ever compared to guys like Jones and Lance and, and Fields all that much. And that's taught me that the conversation you know, around quarterbacks and particularly the draft in general is always driven by mystery. Once the media knows who the pick is going to be, they don't really care about discussing whether that's the right pick or not. They just only care about uncovering the mystery. And that's, 
that's something I'm going to have to keep in mind uh, going into future off seasons when we're talking about draft prospects and all these various narratives that you're hearing. So that's something that, that you guys should also keep in mind. So our last question comes from burned Backhouse. He asked question for the Monday mailbag, Arthur blank emphasized winning not only this year, but also in the medium and long term. in your view, what selection fields pits trade down would be superior for a 2021 B 2022 to 2023 or C 2023 to 2026. Love your work. Keep it up. Thank you. Burned. Um, I apologize in advance, burn for going on a little bit of this rant. You're you're, it's not directed at you. You're just triggering it. Um, I think the answers to those questions depend on a ton of factors, too many to really get into today, but I'll try. I think, you know, everybody wants to believe that there's definitive answers to those questions. Like if we draft this guy, it means this result. Basically you want to hear in theory that if you draft fields, he's going to impact C 2023 to 2026. The most in theory Pitts is going to be B 2022 to 2023. And in theory trading down is a going to impact more in 2021. But all of those are really dependent on unknown factors. Who are you drafting? If you trade down, because if you trade back and you take an offensive lineman or edge and you don't get the right player that comes in right away and is impacting early, the truth of the matter is those two positions in particular really don't have a significant positive impact in the league or those guys, the players at those positions don't hit their peaks until like year three and beyond. And so in theory, Kyle Pitts could come in and give you more potential and more impact as a red zone threat as a rookie, even though he's only a part-time player in 2021, then trading back would and getting players at more need positions, even though those players at those need positions might be playing more snaps than Kyle Pitts does in year one. And then, you know, even though the quarterback has the greatest long-term potential, that assumes that you hit on the quarterback, which you don't know if you're going to do. And that is also assumes that you build a successful supporting cast around him. Just look at the Jets. They took Sam Darnold, did not build a successful supporting cast around him, and look at where they are right now, taking a quarterback all over again three years later. And, you know, some of those factors in that supporting cast building around them depends on how good a play caller Arthur Smith is, how good a head coach he is, how good at personnel uh, additions Terry Fontenot is, how good your running game is, how good your offensive line is, how good your defense is, which is depending on you solidifying your front four, you're adding more pass rushers, improving your coverage in the back seven. This is a huge part, guys, why I don't spend as much time and energy obsessing with who the Falcons take at four, because ultimately it's one of 20 one of 50 decisions that the Falcons are going to make this year, next year, and in the future, that's going to determine their success. Let me give you another example to illustrate this point. I've heard a lot of people over the last couple of months being critical of the Falcons decision to draft Chris Lindstrom and Kayla McGarry in round one in 2019. And that criticism baffles me because in the context of that entire season, those were far and away the two best decisions they made that entire offseason. People get mad because the Falcons took Chris Lindstrom over Brian Burns, which is fine. You can believe that Brian Burns is a better pick, but based off of the two-year sample we've seen so far, Chris Lindstrom is arguably the best offensive lineman in that draft class. It's either him or Jonah Williams so far. So, you know, looking at their careers. And so I'm not going to sit here and complain about the Falcons getting one of the best offensive linemen at a critical need position, right? That to me seems like nitpicking. People are mad at the Falcons trading up for Kayla McGarry, but the reason why the Falcons traded up for Kayla McGarry, because they were leapfrogging four tackle needy teams picking at the start of round two, and through two years, Kayla McGarry has outperformed all four of those guys that wound up being the Falcons leapfrogging for Jawan Taylor, Cody Ford, Dalton Reisner, and Greg Little. 
And the next offensive tackle off the board was Max Sharping is on the verge of getting benched as a guard in Houston. So the Falcons in hindsight, so far based off of two years, were fully justified in jumping to get Caleb McGarry because he's outperformed all the other tackles taken in that draft and they needed a tackle. So if you're going to complain about the 2019 offseason and all of its related moves, I don't get why you would pick those two decisions to be critical, especially compared to the fact that the Falcons guaranteed 37 points. $4 million in 2019 and 2020 to players like Vic Beasy, James Carpenter, Jamon Brown, and Ty Sambrello. That represents 10% of their combined 2019 and 2020 salary caps. If you're going to complain about anything, complain about the whole Matt Bryant, Giorgio Tavacchio debacle, letting Marvin Hall and Brian Poole go for nothing, right? Failing to shore up their safety depth behind Keanu Neal. All those factors, right? The fact that the Falcons were forced to spend 90 cents on the dollar in terms of their salary cap because 10% of it was devoted to four players that didn't actually contribute in any positive way in 2019. And then they subsequently, the following off season made a bunch of poor cap decisions, misapproaching more funds to spending 8% of their salary cap in 2020 and 2021 devoted to Dante Fowler. This is why guys, I don't obsess about the draft. Like the rest of you, you guys sit here and act like everything the Falcons do all the things and success and failures that they're going to have hinges on this one draft pick. This is the most important decision of Terry Fontenot's entire tenure and his entire success in Arthur Smith. No, it's not, man. If they take a quarterback, even if they hit on a guy, even if Justin Fields is everything that I think he's capable of being and other people think he's capable of being, their future does not hinge on that one pick. Their future hinges on the same exact factors that have hinged over the last 13 years with Matt Ryan and building a good team around him. So the conversation conversation isn't really about Justin Fields versus Trey Lance versus Kyle Pitts. The conversation is really about these 10 questions. Number one, is Arthur Smith going to be a good play caller? And can he have the same amount of success with play action in red zone calling in Atlanta as he did in Tennessee? Right? How does he manage the personalities of a 53-man locker room when he's never had to do that on the team before? That's a big question. Number two, can Mike Davis be a thousand-yard rusher? And if not, then who can be that guy that the Falcons can make as a workhorse running back in the future? Number three, can Dwayne Ledford coach up these young offensive linemen like Chris Lindstrom, like Kayla McGarry, like Matt Gano, like Matt Hennessy, better than Chris Morgan did? Number four, how long can Jake Matthews maintain his current level of play as a top 10 to 15 left tackle? Number five, who's going to be the Falcons' long-term option at left guard? Do they solidify that this year, next year? When do they do that? Number six, can the Falcons add more talent up front that can help stop the run and rush the quarterback? Will this new regime be better at developing pass rushers than the old regime was? Number seven, can Deion Jones have a bounce back season and be that playmaking linebacker that he's always been hyped to be but has failed to live up to the last couple of years? Is Foye Olakun a long-term option to start at inside linebacker for the Falcons? And if not him, then who is? Number eight, how good is A.J. Terrell going to be? Right? Are we going to add two reliable starting options opposite him at the cornerback position at nickel and at the right cornerback spot? Who knows? Number nine, can the Falcons draft and develop safeties and give us the same amount of confidence that we had once upon a time with Keanu Neal and Ricardo Allen, Devontae Casey, thinking that, oh, oh those are going to be the three best safeties in the NFL. We have one of the deepest safety groups in the NFL, right? And if the Falcons can add safeties that can give us that confidence. Is that sustainable long-term? Cause it wasn't with that previous group because of injuries. Number 10, what about special teams is young way Koo, Sterling Hoffrichter and whoever's going to be returning punts this year, long-term solutions for this team. Or are we going to be sitting in a situation a year or two down the road, looking to replace one or more of those players? 
I don't know, guys. These are all 10 very compelling questions. All of these questions are arguably just as important, if not more important, than who the Falcons take at number four. I get why people obsess about the draft. I get it. You put all your hopes and all your dreams into the player that the Falcons going to select in round one being the savior. But anybody that's actually watched football should understand and realize that even if you draft the next Patrick Mahomes, the next John Elway, the next Jalen Ramsey, the next J.J. Watt, the next Calvin Johnson. They can't single-handedly do it all by themselves. Those players' careers and every single star player that has ever existed in the hundred years that the NFL has operated have been defined. Their careers have been defined by the seasons in which they've had help and the seasons when they didn't have help. Right? This is not oh, we just land LeBron James and he single-handedly carries us to multiple chances. Not one, not two, not three, you know, Super Bowls. That's not how it works, guys. So if you're sitting here thinking that we're not going to be having conversations over the next decade over who the Falcons take, Justin Fields, Kyle Pitts, like we've had over the last decade, those same conversations that we've had about Matt Ryan and Julio Jones and the Falcons needing to add more help to help these guys win more games. You, my friends need to wake up. I too am excited and eager to find out who the Falcons draft on Thursday. I too am excited and eager to find out who's the player that if all things go well, if we hit on this pick, is going to be the player that I'm going to spend hopefully the next 10 to 15 years rooting for and talking about and saying, Oh my God. And getting the Twitter arguments about whether or not he's the best quarterback in the league or top five quarterback in the league or the best weapon on offense, all these various things, the guy that I'm going to spend the next 10 to 15 years rocking my gradient Jersey out in public and proudly sporting it. Cause look at this awesome gradient Jersey. I have of Kyle Pitts. Look at this awesome gradient Jersey. I have a Trey Lance and Justin Fields. I too am excited and eager to find out if that's going to be the guy. I get why it's exciting. It's fun. That excitement, that eagerness is fun, but don't get it twisted. Ladies and gentlemen, this isn't a book. This isn't a TV show. This isn't a movie. You guys have been watching too much Netflix. You think there are chosen ones. There are no chosen ones in football. There are no chosen ones in real life. All you had to do was survive the calendar year of 2020 and know that one person is not going to come through that door and magically fix all the problems. Real life has taught you that. And you should be know that by now, since most of you are adults and understand that football doesn't work that way either. I'm done with my rant. That's all I wanted to say. Relax. Don't think about it too hard. Just enjoy the ride. And we'll get through it together. There you guys have it. Tomorrow, we're going to talk specifically about Trey Lance with Mark Schofield on tomorrow's Lockdown Falcons. Hope you guys enjoy it. We will have plenty of opportunities for you to send in future questions. I, I will promise you that we'll probably not go on a rant <laughs> for your future mailbag questions. If you want to submit questions for future mailbag episodes, and if this is the first time you listen to the episode to the Lockdown Falcons podcast, I apologize in advance. This is not the norm, but every now and then I have to let these get these things out. This is my last opportunity to tell you guys to relax about who the number four pick is going to be. Just take it easy. Enjoy the ride. Get excited, but you don't have to sit here and obsess about this draft pick in the ways that you guys have obsessed about this draft pick. For the last three to five months. That's all I'm saying. So if you want to submit 
questions for future episodes of the Lockdown Falcons podcast to be answered on future mailbag episodes, then by all means, you can hit me up on Twitter at Lockdown Falcons, on Facebook at Lockdown Falcons, or you can send an email to LockdownFalcons at mail.com. Appreciate it, guys. Hope you enjoyed that. Until then.